0: From Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Film Club, a podcast series where our youth film critics and cultural connoisseurs get together to spill the theoretical tea on a new movie. So these are spoiler-filled conversations. If you haven't seen the movie they're talking about, be prepared to learn far more about them than the trailers will tell you. I'm at-me producer, Zen Rogers. For this episode, we're talking about the Netflix documentary, Operation Varsity Blues. The movie details the 2019 college admissions scandal, focusing on Rick Singer, the college admissions counselor at the center of it all. The story is told with news footage and interviews, but scenes are also reenacted with actors, scripted from FBI wiretapes used in the case. And talking about the movie, the Atme crew dive deeper into their own college experiences. Here's the discussion, led by Atme senior producer, Quinn White.
1: So uh, my name is Quinn, um, I'm a senior Me producer and I am a junior at the University of Southern California.
2: My name is Sam. Uh, I don't go to University of Southern California or any school, I guess. I'm a graduate, I'm an Me media mentor, senior producer. Um, and I use they, them pronouns.
3: Um, hi, I'm Chloe. I'm a Atme me producer. I also just graduated from the University
4: of Vermont. Um, I use she, her pronouns. Hi, I'm Jania and I'm an Atme me youth health reporter. I am currently taking the year off of college but I will be a junior at Harvard in the fall and I take she, her pronouns. Yeah, well, I'm
5: Daisy. Um, I use she, her pronouns And I am going to the University of Alaska Anchorage. Um, I'm a sophomore. Yeah, I'm a sophomore. So um, I guess we
1: could just like get started by talking about like our initial thoughts on the documentary, if anyone wants to go first.
5: If if I may.
1: Um, you may. I know I have a lot of thoughts, so I want to (laughs) start with somebody else.
5: If I may. Um it just made me sad like honestly I think you know I like I like to think that everyone like I just love to see like the good in people and I just like to think that everyone like has a little a little good in them but just this documentary just reminded me that there are such shallow people that will do whatever for a social status and it just made me sad. It didn't make me feel good. Um, especially, you know, coming from a family who is, who's, who's pushing for two two daughters going through university and, you know, like still like struggling and still being like, you know what, like we're putting, you know, both our girls to university and, you know, my sister, she, she, she kind of wants to go to law school. Um, so hopefully she pursues that. And it just makes me really sad that, that there are people out there that just have so much privilege and just so much and just don't think about anyone else besides themselves
4: to me i saw it in kind of a different way um i thought that obviously the criminals in this documentary were extremely entitled um status obsessed all of those negative adjectives um but I think it's symptomatic of like a larger societal problem. And I think that people um, do similar things in a legal manner all the time. Like there are people making large donations to universities to get their kids into school um, through legal avenues. And that's just like a reality of what the world is like now. And I'm not really sure how to address the issue of prestige and the issue of attaching um, a status point to where your child goes to school, um, where they end up getting admitted. But I think at the root of this whole problem and like the the circumstances that allowed this whole situation to exist is just like massive income inequality, um, and that's really the thing that that troubles me more than just detesting the parents that um, that were involved in this case. I just am. Extremely discouraged about the lack of social mobility in the United States and the way that college admissions perpetuates perpetuates the the existing um class hierarchy that we already have.
2: Um for some reason I feel like I'm always obsessed with like uh like white-collar crime type documentaries and stories. So I knew I was definitely gonna like have to watch this at some point. But I'm always like left after watching these things, like. Just like, I mean, first of all, very demoralized about capitalism and just like the systems in place, but also just wondering, like, wow, what was the point of all of that? Like, what was the point of that documentary? Like, and like nothing good came out of like that FBI investigation. I don't, I, I don't know. It, it's definitely a very demoralizing but fascinating genre, and and it, it sparks a lot of interest in in me, and I'm not really sure why.
3: Yeah, I definitely, um, it's, I feel like this genre is becoming such a, maybe it's always been popular, but I feel like, especially right now, it's really popular on Netflix. And the guy who directed this documentary also directed, um, Tiger King and the fire doc on Netflix. So it like, you can definitely see that it goes into like a certain type of addictive genre. I was thinking about that too. There's just something so fascinating about, I think. I think all of us know that, well, not, I don't want to say everyone, but I feel like a lot, most of people in the U.S., I'm I'm just going to say, are aware that maybe not on a conscious level, but they know we live in, like, a very classist system and a very, like, world that's based on prestige and things like that. But, But because we don't always get to see behind the curtain of, like, the actual corruption. I think there's just like a shock factor of watching the documentaries that is really, um, addictive and like, yeah, fascinating to watch. But, um, I don't know, my reaction to the documentary was just like, oh my God, this is going to be kind of triggering (laughs) because like the video of everyone getting rejected, it sent me back to getting rejected from like every college I wanted to go to. Now that I've graduated college and four years four or five years later from applying to schools it's funny like thinking back to that time because I had so many ideas about like college and where to go that are just based on prestige and I don't know this documentary just made me reflect on that time of my life I guess where I was cared a lot about where I went to school
4: but yeah. (laughs) So yesterday I guess it was April 6th um was this year's Ivy Day which is When all the Ivy League schools collectively released their admissions decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I saw a lot of posts on my feed of, you know, welcome Harvard class of, I guess it's 2025 now, Um, a lot of celebratory posts. And then I also saw some TikToks and other social media posts of students getting rejected from pretty much everywhere where they applied or you know, their dream schools and they'd post their, their stats, their test scores, their grades. And, um, you know, they, they, these would be excellent students getting rejected from pretty much everywhere they wanted to go. Um, and definitely like seeing that sort of thing and seeing the acceptances and the rejections and all the reactions in the documentary, um, for sure brought me back. Obviously I was absolutely thrilled to, get into Harvard and other schools and admissions ultimately ended up well for me um but my dream school initially was Stanford and I got rejected early I didn't get deferred waitlisted anything like that um and I was just crushed it wasn't like it wasn't so much like an issue of oh no this prestigious school rejected me but it was like the, I had this vision in my head of what the next four years of my life were going to look like um, and I couldn't help it. I put all of my fake scenarios um, in the setting of Stanford's campus and I just when I would daydream about college when I was like trying to get through the high school grind I would just always drift off to that dream of like being at this one particular campus and so when I was rejected from that school that idea was instantly shattered and there was no going back from that like you can't reverse it you can't uh you can't like try again really um so for a few months there I was feeling pretty dejected and like although college admissions ended up like extremely well for me and worked out perfectly um that the pain that those students are feeling after putting in all that hard work is so relatable and so real. Um, and I hate that, I hate that high school is seen as like a means to an end. Um, and everybody is just kind of slogging through it in order to attain something that may or may not happen.
2: I was at Northwestern. I was going to school at Northwestern when they, when the scandal came out. And I remember like, it was like, it was kind of big news on campus. Cause there was all these people that had like bought their, I don't remember how many it was, but it was definitely a few Northwestern students that had like in my class that had like used this side door or whatever but I just like was so not surprised at all. Cause it's like, yes, those people use the side door and that's illegal or something. But I knew all like there's, I knew several other students that went to Northwestern that were like, for example, um, I don't know, like famous, like famous a- actors or like directors, like kids um, that got into Northwestern. It's like, was that based on merit? Like <laughs> it's, I don't know. So it's just like, it's so, it's so great to me that like, this was a crime but like that was another thing I found interesting about the documentary it's like if you pay a a million dollars it's a crime but if you pay 10 million then it's not a crime and in some ways I find myself like like feeling pretty sympathetic for um Rick Singer who looked at like too much like Jeffrey Epstein um for comfort but (laughs) um but I just like At one point, like I just like, it's hard to be mad at him. Like he just he he just found a way to like make a lot of money. Like I mean, I mean, I started it. It got a little frustrating when he like started immediately snitching on every single one of his clients. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't know. He didn't even really feel like the villain to me. I don't know. Capitalism is the villain, I guess.
3: One thing I keep on kept on thinking about I after um, watching this movie is my perspective on college changed so much by going to uh college out of state and especially going I think to school on the east coast made me see college really differently because I I feel like in Alaska like there's only like six or seven colleges in the entire state versus you know in Massachusetts Vermont or wherever there's like multiple co- like way more colleges usually um even though a lot of like community colleges and smaller universities are like shutting down in a lot of places but um i don't know i just feel like going to school at uvm changed my i feel like it's hard going like looking at schools it's really easy to buy in, into the idea of prestige in alaska because when you maybe your parents didn't go to college or you have a different perspective on it and all you see is USA Today's top 10 college lists like of course you're basing your idea of what a good college is based on like these kind of arbitrary things I don't know does does anyone kind of have anything to say or any thoughts
5: yeah I um yeah I think I think I was talking to, to to some of you guys earlier that my parents are like super like happy and excited to to um to have like girls in, like like both of us in university and for me for a long time and actually after this docu- um or before this documentary it was kind of like yeah i'm going to uaa kind of whatever like you know but now after going to the after watching this this documentary i was like yeah like that's like yeah like i'm going to university like that's super awesome and i'm def- and i definitely like echo what chloe said was that um was that just the prestige kind of vibe of it just kind of made me change and kind of made me think like you I could go to whatever university and I'll still get like an education I'll still get a piece of paper that says I took classes and yeah so now I'm like I don't know now I'm just now now when I say I go to the University of Alaska Anchorage I won't say oh I just go to the University of Alaska Anchorage I'll be like yeah I go to the University of Alaska Anchorage
1: so I know mo- you guys kind of know my background, but I did my first two years um, of school at a small school in the Bronx that was mostly commuter students. And then I transferred here. And um, the transition has been totally like out of this world, honestly. Um, I When I was in high school, like I really like I've always like really um aspired to like have like for higher education and I really wanted to go to like a big school in high school but it just wasn't really a possibility for me at the time I didn't like admittedly I didn't do very well in high school I didn't take a bunch of AP classes and that was a big thing they talked about in like the documentary is like all these people like take like all like these crazy amounts of like AP classes and pretty recently um I had this boy in one of my classes like we were working on a project together and we were in a Zoom class and he asking me about like he was asking me all like these really kind of weird inappropriate questions and he was like asking me about like the classes I took in high school and he was like what APs did you take? What APs did you take? And I was like I didn't take any APs and he was like are you serious you go here and you didn't take any APs he listed off all 15 APs that he took and then he continued like I said he continued to ask me all these weird questions then he was like so so what are you like how are you paying for school like how are you doing financial aid wise and I was like that's a weird question to ask and I went well I'm really stressed out because like, I'm trying to figure like, I'm like trying to like navigate loans. And like, neither of my parent like neither of my parents went to college. My mom, when I got to college, my mom thought they just gave you the books. She like, she like, they didn't understand it. And he went, oh my gosh, I could totally relate. My parents both went to USC. They told me they'd pay for my undergrad, but I'm going to have to pay for myself to go through medical school. And I had to, I went, all right, all right, it's time to like hang up. I was um, just like, I've met, uh, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, I've just met like a lot of extremely entitled people who um, like just try to flex how smart they are or like that they're like richer than you or like. I don't like it is like um like Janya said, and I think that kind of leads me into my next question is I really want to talk about like that word prestige and what it means and its importance in higher education.
4: Yeah, I definitely have something to say about the prestige piece. Um so the two halves of my family are pretty different in terms of education experience. My mom's side um is very highly educated. Her siblings went to really big name schools, Duke, Yale. Um, my mom went to UVA. My dad didn't go to college. And um, so the expectations and the knowledge of like higher education were very different for me um, growing up and just, I, I never got a bunch of pressure from my mom or anything, but she knew how the system worked. She knew how to put me into good schools, um, you know, get me into a gifted program early in elementary school. She knew the ins and outs of like, how to set your kid up for success essentially meanwhile my dad like never really knew what grade i was in he was very impressed if i'd get like 1a in a class um you know it was just a, it was just a difference in expectations and my dad like passed away when i was in high school but i know that if i told him that i was just going into co- going to college in general no matter where it was he would be like so proud and happy for me just because that's something he never got to do and one of his biggest regrets was not getting a college degree. Um, but in terms of like the prestige piece and going to Harvard now, um, definitely like when I'm at school, it, Harvard is just my college. Every other student around me is also a Harvard student. It is not something special. Over there, the thing that's unique and special about me is that I'm from Alaska. And that's the thing that people latch on to when I'm back home, I found that it's the reverse and people are really interested that I go to Harvard, but it's just, it's become uh, interesting for me because um, to me at this point, I just see it as school and not this like prestigious lofty institution. And I know that all my classmates are just regular people. And that, you know, if I had plucked, Some random kid from any Alaska public school, and perhaps, you know, put them into prep school early on, gave them really rigorous uh, college application mentoring, um, held their hand through like all of these processes, they too probably could have ended up at Harvard or any, you know, similarly selective institution. Um, So my idea of prestige is kind of just, it's definitely, as the documentary has described, it's an illusion. It's fake, um, and it's it's a result of, again, inequality.
2: Um, on the issue of like prestige, I also think it's like it is worth noting that you, um, if you go to like a certain rank of school, it's more likely to get you a high paying job if that's like what you're after. Um, I mean, obviously, I. Went to Northwestern and I don't have a full time job right now, so maybe I, I can't talk about that. But I, like, that's in some way w- what irks me about this documentary too, because it's like all of these like wealthy students are are going to these schools, you know, they already have everything lined up for them, um, in terms of like the SAT prep and the college prep and all of that, and they still pay their way in, and then they're the ones that don't really need to be having access to like upward mobility and you know, finding high paying positions. Yeah. Jenny just said in the chat, it's replicating inequality and it definitely is. Like that's why like the system in place, like these schools need to be targeting letting in like low income students because that's like what is gonna actually have an impact. And those are probably going to be the hardest working people there anyway. Um
4: yeah, there was like like Sam was saying, um I mean I think people get really up in arms about affirmative action. They're like, uh, there was an excellent quote that I wrote down from the movie. Let me me find it. Um, Basically, this former admissions officer was saying that everybody kind of thinks of admissions as like, oh, it's all based on merit, except for affirmative action. And then he said, my view of the admissions process is all sorts of different preferences with, yes, some students getting in on pure merit, but many others getting in due to preferences that skew rich and white. And then I thought that was like so spot on. So I had to write it down. And he goes on to say that there's like preference for students that play niche sports. There's making a huge donation and then the fund ratings, fundraising office recommends the student to the admissions office. Um, but other things that like might look like merit, but are really just uh, privilege and wealth are like, Wealthy students being tremendously advantaged when it comes to attending um, private high schools, scoring well on standardized tests, being able to hire pricey admissions counselors to polish their applications. Um, And no, none of that stuff is a guarantee like Rick Singer's method, but it all really, really helps. So, yeah, it's a tough situation.
3: I was going to say, I feel like this builds off what you were saying earlier, but... um talking about affirmative action i also think there's something really messed up that happens with like kind of like how you're saying like people at harvard are like oh you got in because you're from alaska like there's just this like i think it puts like students of color in like a weird position of being like people are always going to look at you like oh you got in because you're x race which is really messed up and like just perpetuates like problems within the classroom that makes it hard to like fix
4: our country for sure I can't like speak directly for my friends that are um you know ethnic and racial minorities but I have had these sort of conversations with friends of mine and yeah some of them feel hugely judged and feel like others um are underestimating their intelligence or worthiness or competence, um, because of their race. And that's like extremely rough. Like I even saw there was something on Twitter where some, um, politician actually like called out a black student activist and like accused them of getting into their school on, um, affirmative action only. It's like, Sir, first of all, that's entirely racist and appropriate and that's also not how the system works so just stop right there like log off deactivate, please.
1: Well, I guess, I guess my next question is. does this college admission scandal like feed into the prestige and make these institutions even more selective because one one thing that they were talking about in the documentary towards the end that really stood out to me um, was uh, when they were talking about how now when people apply to colleges like They're gonna think about, like, oh, well, like, rich people are paying like millions of dollars to get into these schools. Like, they must be worth like going there. And honestly, that's a thought I had when I got in here. When I got into USC, my mom posted like this really awful, mean thing about Olivia Jade on Facebook. And she was like, Olivia Jade's an idiot. Lori Laughlin has stupid daughters. You know who's not stupid? My, my Quinn. I didn't have to pay for Quinn to get into college. And it was really embarrassing. But um, you know, I I don't know. It just I have a hard time. I have a hard time because, like I said earlier, I think honestly like where you like getting into co- like there's no like formula to get into college you know like there's no like grades you need to have or like classes you need to take because it's all totally skewed I don't know I don't know but um yeah I just guess I want to talk about if like what the results of this documentary here and the fallout is going to be
5: um I think that I don't know. I think that obviously, hopefully things will change and people will be like, you know what? Like, yeah, I can go to this school and like, hopefully there won't be like a stigma around it anymore since it is literally shown there how skewed and how like, how skewed it will be. And something that I wanted to say too, was that I thought it was so interesting how the parents were just so worried about this getting leaked. Like they were just like, they were just like, are you sure? Like, this is okay. This is going to be like under wraps. Like no one's going to snitch. And then, and then he said, like, I've been doing this for 30 years and I haven't been getting caught. And I'm like 30 years of rich people paying their way into Colleges basically because it's just for the parents it's not for the kids i.e olivia jade and it's it's just really sad but i think hopefully that now people will be like yeah sure like i go like again like now i have a new pride of like yeah i'm, go- I'm going to the university of alaska anchorage and like yeah and i think that just having just having that piece of paper that says i went to school for blank is enough for me now because now i know That prestigious schools are are not it yeah daisy
1: you're right going to going to a prestigious school does not automatically make you smart being smart is what makes you smart
2: oh one thing i that i brought up briefly that i didn't like about the documentary um was well maybe it wasn't the documentary but just like the framing of like the that justice was served and that like oh like they they caught these people and it's like no like these people went to prison for like a few months and it's like who even really cares like maybe you send them for prison their whole life so like I don't care like like that like what actually needs to change is like yeah like student loan forgiveness and like starting to create systems where like college is free and like like it doesn't matter that these people were caught because at the end of the day it's like like the SAT is still around. like the fact that they got rid of the SAT during covid and they're like going to bring it back maybe next year like <laughs> i don't know to me that that was frustrating a little bit about the documentary that it was almost like at the end it felt like there was some sort of conclusion but to me like it it was it's so it felt so arbitrary that these people are going to go to jail for a few months and maybe like uh, a, a hit to their reputation like it doesn't matter
3: yeah Adding on to um, what's been said, I I think my biggest problem with the documentary is that it focused on these, like, 50 people that got a slap on a wrist for being involved in a huge scandal, but I don't think they really, like, delved into, like, inequality in the U.S. and also just, like, the reasons why college is so expensive and the a way that they could have. Um, like, I feel like there was more of a potential for them to actually, like, um I don't know really look at why college like or like they never talked about like president salaries for a million dollars a year and asks for so much money from students um and then won't give their student a computer (laughs) or they don't really talk about that um and the other thing I wanted to ask you guys everyone is like uh so they kind of made it sort of they like reenacted all the scenes what did everyone think of that because it felt like they were making up for not being able to interview singer or something
5: i was so confused like the entire time i was like uh, like because i think it's just because i didn't read like the first excerpt where it was like oh like these are from like actual recordings so i was like oh like are they making this up like are these actors like what what's the dealio here but then I just kind of figured out through context clues that yeah these weren't actually like the real people they were just actors but they looked like 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 they looked pretty close to the person so that's why I was like wait are they reenacting their own crimes and also that
3: one woman in the uh I don't remember her name she She was in a scene that was a reenactment, but she also was like
4: interviewed. So, but no one else, it was weird. I'm not sure who that was, but I loved the reenactments. I think, like, when documentaries do that sort of thing, um, they run the risk of being over dramatic or misrepresenting um, people involved. But because these were actual wiretapped conversations, it felt pretty true to what actually happened. And I think, like, um, besides the whole criminal aspect of this documentary like rick singer was a pretty interesting character and i was very appreciative of the fact that they like showed all his little intricacies his 4am runs his like hopping on planes and all his weird side hustles um yeah loved that and loved just like finding out more about him because he is a strange strange man
1: yeah i love i love documentaries that are set up like that um honestly I can't really I just I love I love a good documentary and you know like we were talking about um the whoever directed this directed like Tiger King and all like a bunch of other super popular documentaries from earlier um but yeah I love stuff like this and honestly it really like the scene where they had like all like the adults or like all like the parents like talking on the like I really loved all like the phone conversations my favorite ones were when they were like calling their kids stupid or like talking about how like they were um like cheating or like photoshopping like their pictures to get on like these teams and there is just nothing i love more than like um like some richie rich exposing themselves like over wiretap i don't know i just really eat that stuff up i really like it i just i really was into this documentary it's just it's really it's really made me question um it really made me think about my own um, college experience, so.
5: I think that that was probably, like, like my favorite part about this documentary was just, like, these rich people be... Like, them talking about, about their kids made me feel sad because I was like, dang, you, like, don't even believe in your own kids that you're raising. Like, that speaks more about you than it does, like, them. Um, but also, like, just, like... <laughs> hearing them be like like because i think they were like he was just because he was complying with the fbi and he was just kind of calling them to be like hey just wanted you to confirm that this illegal activity is what we're doing and them just being like yeah whatever like why like what like
2: i thought that was hilarious when they were talking about how like white collar criminals are way more likely to just immediately incriminate themselves over the phone (laughs) and then they all did they all just like i mean which makes sense i guess if you have like such low consequences like if if you have that kind of money like i guess there there isn't really a lot to be afraid of so but it, that that was funny to watch
1: yeah sam you're totally right and i think what you were talking about earlier and what i kind of want to end on are like if if there if anyone really faces any consequence in this like because I mean like these people were I think like they were like fined and like they went to jail for like a few months but like what does that really mean and I guess who do we hold accountable
5: dang the accountable one is really making me think I'm, I'm, I'm stumped um I think the accountable people would probably be just everyone and just hopefully like people learn just to not abuse the system or they'll get exposed or I don't know, we just need to create a culture where university is free, higher education is free or less expensive like Jiminy.
2: Well, definitely every one of those universities is very accountable. The fact that Stanford profited off of all this. Oh, also, this hasn't come up, but the 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 sailing coach at Stanford, that was so sad. Like he literally I mean, it, it seemed to end up all right for him, but he got played by Stanford and they made money off of that, too. But but yeah, in every politician is accountable, probably like I don't know anyone who has power right now and then can see this stuff happening is accountable for sure.
5: I think that's why like people get away with it because yeah, there's just no accountability. Like if you're rich, you can get away with anything.
4: Yeah. I was going to say pretty much the same thing as Sam. It all comes down to who has power in the situation. And I'd say like, especially government is accountable for this um, just because our our laws are like one of the main things that perpetuate inequality in the United States um just our like tax structure um our K12 education system the many many other things inequalities in healthcare um yeah and all of those things kind of go back to government um and our legislators um however these universities are also obviously accountable um and everybody likes to every um, institution, I'm, I'm actually particularly thinking of private high schools right now, but um, lots of private institutions like to look like they're promoting diversity um, and equity in their admissions procedures. Um, but especially in the case of private high schools that might have smaller endowments and really just don't want to give out financial aid, um, it, that's not the way it is. They're, these people want to appease the wealthy, and that's what it comes down to. The wealthy people have power. They are the ones that are catered to constantly. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of different moving parts, um, but I don't think it's like an individual problem, and I don't think it stops with all the people that were indicted in this
2: case no one will be held accountable until you know olivia jade gets her sephora um makeup palette bag i think that was injustice that that was taken away from her we need to get olivia jade back on youtube are we um,
1: a pro olivia jade are we pro or
4: justice for olivia jade free <laughs> olivia jade
1: <laughs> olivia jade if you're listening i'm really sorry my mom called you an idiot it's only because she was proud of me.
2: She probably got way more famous from all of this stuff.
1: And she did, honestly. I can't even, like, they were talking about, like, like, she already had a career set up for her. before She didn't have to go to college. Yeah, she yeah that was a, crazy. She, that's the
3: weirdest part of the documentary is, like, none of these people needed to do, like, any of the things they yeah. did to get into college.
0: You've been listening to Film Club, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Kendrick Whiteman. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Dena'ina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including James McCoy and John O'Hara. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of the National Endowment for the Humanities or other sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like me. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And if you are a youth ages 13 to 24 who is interested in becoming a member of our team, go to alaskateenmedia.org join to find out more. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Zinn Rogers. Thanks for listening.